welcome. This is a message from Victory Church. We trust you'll be inspired and encouraged by today's message. I don't know about you, um, but this morning, as I've already mentioned, I definitely haven't fallen out of heaven growing up. Um, And I've had heaps and heaps of weaknesses in my life and still do and battle with specific things in my life. But what I'd like to talk to you about this morning, if I can, is that it's okay at times not to be okay. That it's okay not to be okay. At times, things in our lives aren't going to be so good. At times in our lives, we're going to be in seasons uh, of things that are going on in our world. You know, I've grown up in a Christianity, really, that you have to hide everything. I've been a Christian for now 30 years, and when things go on in your life, you've got to hide it. You don't want people uh, to know that you're going through specific things because you don't want people to look down on you uh, in case you don't get the role, especially if you're in church life, you don't get that leadership role. But I really believe that the quicker that we identify our weaknesses, the quicker that we can stop shifting blame on everybody else and start taking responsibility for ourselves and start to grow in our lives. Amen. And the reality is we need to identify some of our weaknesses because some of our weaknesses are killing people. Some of your weaknesses are killing people. Some of my weaknesses are killing people. That's on behalf of your spouse, by the way. We know that you've got weaknesses. We know that. What we want you to know is that you need to know that you've got that weakness. And the reality is once you start to understand that and once you start to know that, for example, we know that you've got bad breath. How do we know that? Because we can smell you coming. (laughs) What we want to know, we want you to know that you know that you've got bad breath because when you get the revelation of that, you'll take a mint. But in the meantime, while you keep, you know, stepping away from this weakness, you're going to keep having bad breath. You're going to keep killing us with it. You know what I'm saying? The reality is at times there are things that are going on in our lives that we just don't, we want to run from and not move away from. I've been throwing a particular concept around the church, around Life Church here in Melbourne and in New Zealand, um, uh, because I want people, I want us to think on these things. And I've come up with a concept that goes something like this. We'll have it up on screen. It goes like this. It says, if the strength of influence on the inside of you is stronger than your capacity to obey the known will of God for your life, then you need external guidance. Let me just read that again. If the strength of influence on the inside of you is stronger than your capacity to obey the known will of God for your life, then you need external guidance. Let me just break that up for a moment. If the influence that's on the inside of you, in other words, if the loudness of the voice, the loudness of the voice, number two, is stronger than your capacity which and capacity from a dictionary perspective means can mean your mental ability. If that voice is stronger than your ability or your capacity, thirdly, to obey the known will of God for your life, then friend, 
You need external guidance. The reality is we've all grown up in a Christianity where God can fix everything and God can And God is sovereign and God can do the things that God does. And we can come to an altar call and we can respond at an altar call and lift up our hands and say, help us, Jesus. And Jesus wants to help. He does help. He's God. He's sovereign. But what happens when we walk away from that altar call and we don't change? What happens when we think, well, hang on, I came. I came to the altar call. I've done everything the pastor asked me to do. But I can't seem to beat this loud voice that's overcoming my capacity to, for me to be able to do the known will of God for my life. Let me just say that the will of God for your life is different. It can be different to different people. There's a general thing across the Bible in terms of the will of God that none shall perish, all to have eternal life. And there's different, you know, things generally speaking in terms of the will of God. But every one of us have got a a, a will of God that we've got to follow. For example, the Apostle Paul, woe is me if I don't reach the Gentiles. That was the will of God for Paul's life. Are you with me? So for for you and I, we've got different known will of God to our life. For me, I I want to live a holy life. I don't want to get caught up in all all these situations. Why? Because that's the will of God for my life. Well, if that's the will of God for my life, that's what I have to live by. But if the voice is so loud in my mind that I can't obey that, then what do I do? Do I leave church? Do I stay in the seat forever and ever and ever, defeated, thinking, you know what? I've been coming to church for years. I can't, it just kills me when I see people come to church loving Jesus and then five or six years down the road, things don't seem to work. But you know what? Isn't God enough? Absolutely. God's the very person that wants to connect you with someone so they can take you on the journey. So the reality is, Jesus came to save my soul and your soul. Jesus came to put us and make us heaven bound. But then he said, I call apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, edifying of the body for the building up of the saints. They will help you in the journey. All I need is the Holy Spirit. Well, maybe that's all you need, but you know what? Me, I need the Holy Spirit, I need God, and I need my friends. I need the church, I need leaders, I need everyone, I need all of you. You need me, we need each other. Come on. Because otherwise we grow in a Christianity that, you know what, God will help, God will help. Some of us have been waiting for God to help for 25 years. God has helped. How? He wants to introduce you to somebody that can take you on the journey. Because otherwise we just keep waiting and keep praying and keep hoping. I've been the so many conferences in my life. So many conferences. And I think, you know what? Just one other conference, one more conference. Maybe I'll meet God there. One more conference. You know what? One more conference. The reality is God is introducing me, not necessarily to the conference, but to people that are in that conference that can take me on a journey that can help me along. Because the voice is too strong for me to overcome the things that are going on in my life. Now, what am I saying? That God's not big enough? Absolutely. Don't hear. I'm not. God is sovereign. God is big enough. Jesus paid the price. Absolutely. All of those things. But for you, and it might be just one person in church this morning, and you're saying, you know what? It doesn't seem to work. Yeah, well, maybe, just maybe, you need to grab somebody's hand and, say, and be real and say, these are my weaknesses. This is what's going on in my life. Can you hold my hand and take me through? Because I've got to get on with my life. Rather than pulling back and saying, you know what, God's, God's not doing for me what he's doing for Pastor Tony and Kath. So I don't know, maybe I'm, there's something wrong with me. This friend, there's nothing wrong with you. God wants you to hold on to somebody, amen? Yes. Wants to go the journey. 
The thing is, a weakness in your life is completely different to a controlling weakness. A weakness in your life, you dictate to it. A controlling weakness in your life, it dictates to you. 1 Corinthians chapter 6 and verse 12, we'll have it up on screen there. It says, everything is permissible for me. This is Paul speaking, of course. But not everything is helpful. Everything is permissible for me, but I will not. I want to say, I will not. I will not allow anything to control me. There's a difference between a weakness, say, I'm weak in the area of administration. I'm weak in an area of leadership. I'm weak in the area of, of, of salesmanship or I'm weak in an area of, a, of accounting. And as opposed to a controlling weakness that I can't seem to control like anger. At times I become green like the Hulk and I can't stop myself. That's probably a controlling, ang- a controlling situation. Hurt, alcoholism. I want to stop, I can't. I just keep drinking. Substance abuse, major rejection in our lives, insecurity. These are things that are controlling us and they're controlling weaknesses. The Apostle Paul said, I will not be controlled by anything. And so there is a difference between specific weaknesses. And one of the statements we quoted for years, I think, in the church and outside the church was that your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness. In other words... If one of your strengths is sensitivity, that's a good thing. Why? Because you're sensitive and compassionate around the people around, about the people around and about you. You, you say hi, you say how you're going, you connect with people, uh, you know, you give gifts, you're, you're compassionate toward people, you're sensitive, you're kind, you're nice, you see people for where people are at. And that's a good thing because that's a strength that you have in your life and you're sensitive. The negative side to that, you can be, if, you, if you're so sensitive at that level and at that end, a swing of the clock, then the pendulum, of course, can swing the other way and then you can be so sensitive that you get hurt really quickly, really easily. Yeah. That, well, how come they didn't invite me to the party? Aren't I good enough to be invited? How come they didn't say hello to me? I can't believe that she walked past me and looked like she frowned. She didn't say anything. And we start getting really, really sensitive at that end of the scale as the pendulum swings the other way. So I think that's true, that your greatest strength can be your greatest weakness. Would you agree? Reality is, is that, um, and I visited a psychologist for a couple of weeks about five years ago. I'll tell you why in just a moment. I mean, if we're going to let it all hang out, we might as well just let it all hang out. Um, And what he said to me was, that's a true statement, what you're saying. But for me, from my perspective... Your greatest strength is knowing what your weaknesses are. That's your greatest strength. For me, let me just tell you now that I've opened that up. Years and years ago, I'm a relational sort of a person. I love hanging with people. I just love having people around. I've built my house so people can come over all the time. That's what we do. That's how we roll. Love it, love it, love it, love it. Is it a pastoral gift? I don't know. I reckon pastor or not pastor, I'd just do it anyway. I just, it's just me. It's just how I roll. I just love to do that. Maybe the Italian way. Who knows? But the reality is I've done it so much that I couldn't put my phone down. So 
um, uh, because I wanted to be able to hear from people and I wanted to know that people are doing fine across the church and you know I didn't want people to leave or I wanted people to be growing and I wanted marriages to continue to grow and build and so I was always on the end of the phone and you know I just best sleep with my phone in case the phone rang in case it was someone that was leaving the church or getting hurt or someone was about to jump off a cliff we didn't have cliffs really in Melbourne off a bridge but someone I wanted to hurt themselves and so I just couldn't stop this and it was affecting my life, it was affecting my marriage, I wanted people around all the time. My wife, uh, she's very relational too, but she loves her own time. Um, and I don't know if I loved my own time, but anyway, I went and saw this psychologist and I said to him, dude, I'm a pastor of a church, uh, I love people, I love hanging with people, but I can't stop answering the phone. I, I just don't put the phone down and I'm, you know, and I want to know that I'm, you know, in people's lives all the time. And, but you know what? It's probably because I love people. And I started to believe, yeah, of course I love people, but I started to believe that if you don't call people back one day, does that mean you don't love people? In my mind, I was not a really about the people. It was probably more about me because I needed to feel accepted and feel, feel that I was wanted, feel that I was valuable. Do you know what I mean? I, I wanted to feel that. Psychologist said to me, Joe, I don't know, I've been a clinical psychologist for like 30 years and I deal in a lot of prisons and I deal with a lot of suicide patients. Uh, in fact, I've got 15 suicide patients on the go right now um, that are sort of in back in their homes. And do you know what? He said, let me just say something to you. I know you've been pastoring a church. He goes, but I haven't lost one person because I didn't answer a phone call once. And as soon as he said that, I thought, that's where it's at. It's one of my weaknesses. I've been working on that ever since. Reality is you've got to know what your weaknesses are. Let me just give you four things that I think may help us as we slowly come to a close. One of the things is, the first thing is, Learn to identify what your weaknesses are. Learn to identify what your weaknesses are. Let me just say, just before we continue to keep going, uh, you've got a weakness. You have them. Turn to the person next to you and say, you have weaknesses. It's always amazing... It's always amazing in an environment like this, we think, you know what, I'm doing all the talking and you're sitting there thinking, gosh, this guy's really messed up. Because you're you're thinking, I don't really have any weaknesses. No, you can't think of them right now. But let me just say, you've got them. What an incredible church service. We came to church, we had no weaknesses, we left, look at all these weaknesses. Uh, We know how to do church, we know how to connect you to God. 2 Corinthians Chapter 11, verse 30 says, If I must boast, this is Paul speaking, not my pastor Paul, the apostle Paul. If I must boast, I will boast about the things that show how weak I am. Is the apostle Paul. He keeps me authentic and real. You know what? And as I said before, I grew up in an era where you don't mention a word, you don't breathe it if you've got going through things and you've got weaknesses in your life. Uh, You don't say that. But Paul knew what his weaknesses were. They were no surprise to him. He understood them. 
He knew them. He talked about a thorn in his flesh. He's been praying about that thorn. It's still there. He's praying about it. And he says, but by the grace of God, I go. We've all read the scripture where he says that. For me, my natural default is pride. My grandfather, great-grandfather had pride. My grandfather had pride. My dad's got pride. I've got a bit of pride. So what's the deal with that? Well, I know it. I understand it. When it raises its head, I manage it. I know it. I don't know whether it's in my life or out of my life. All I know is I know it's there and I will manage that. You've got to know what's going on in your life. You've got to know what that weakness is in your life. And if God isn't removing it totally, that's cool. But manage it. Learn to manage it. Get wisdom over it. Work out what that is. For me, it's pride. My, my senior pastor, Pastor Paul de Jong, uh, he, talks about, he, was, he talks about being riddled with insecurity. So he was that riddled with insecurity. He reckoned he ended up writing a book on it. I'm speaking, I didn't bring it. It's an incredible book. I didn't realise how much insecurity I had until I read that book. Now I'm pushing it to everyone. You know you're insecure. Have a book. Have a book. Have a book. Get rid of all these books. But again, he's been serving and leading the church for 30 years. Incredible and riddled with insecurity. So he writes a book on it. You know, the reality is it's okay not to be okay at times. But we know where we're going. We know the God we serve. We know the people that are around and about us. And we're going to make our destination. Amen. Because we know we're people of victory. Spiritually and physically in this place. People of victory. Come on. Awesome. Paul knew his weaknesses. The quicker you find out what your weaknesses are, like I said, the quicker um, you will stop killing us with them. If you struggle with a drinking problem, who knows? It's probably not a good thing to hang out in the pub. We get a bit of wisdom. Or maybe on a Friday night. The second thing is we expose them to a trusted friend. So work out what your weaknesses are, whatever that may be, especially if it's something that's controlling you that you can't seem to shake. And you know what? You know, um, in many, many eldership meetings we've said, you know, we want to open up the altar. We want to see people come and find Jesus and we want to pray for as many people as we possibly can. And, you know, and I've heard it said, but Pastor Joe, the reality is we've, you know, we, at times we see the same person coming up all the time. Every week, my pastoral heart says, whatever, come, keep coming. Hey, pitch a tent at the front if you have to. Do whatever you've got to do to resolve what you've got to resolve. It's cool. But the reality is, is that sometimes because we don't expose some of these things to a trusted friend, we've, we keep doing it and working it ourselves and hopefully that God will just hear us. But God has heard. That's my point this morning. God has heard and he wants to connect you with someone to a friend, someone that can help you. Proverbs 11 and verse 14 says, without good direction, people lose their way. The more wise counsel you follow, the better your chances. Amen. This is biblical wisdom. It's what the Bible says about our, our lives and where we need to be connected. But like I said before, but isn't God big enough to fix my problems? Absolutely. You know, a few months ago, I had... Um, it was a privilege, I suppose. I don't know if it was a privilege, but the reality is there was a, general, a guy on our team um, that was getting really, really spooky in terms of his spirituality. Everything was so spiritual that you couldn't even have a conversation without getting 55 scriptures qu- quoted at you. I just want to talk about the weather. It's like, you know, gosh. And so anyway, reality is, you know, great guy, but 
you know, become really, really spiritual in terms of, but got really on the edge of being a little bit sort of, you know. So all the leaders are saying, Pastor Joe, you should sort him out. I'm thinking, what about you, you mugs? There's about 10 of you. I should sort him out. You like, you love that? No, no, what, what are you doing? No, you, I've got to sort him out. All right. So anyway, so I get this guy in. said, hey, mate, what's, what's the deal? You know, we love you in the house. We love what you're doing. We love the gift on your life. It's incredible. And we just, you know, love what you're doing in the life of the church. But hey, dude, what's going on in your life? So we just got talking. And I ended up talking to him about... Um, just his language around the life of the church, that we love the fact that God's on his life and we love the fact that God is moving mightily in his life. But, you know, you don't have to always... Um, I mean, mentioning things and giving testimony of your own life is fine, but when you start now judging others with, with you know, the way that they should live and not live according to the word, etc., etc., that's getting a little bit hard. So as we got talking, I said to him, dude, what's the real deal? What's the real issue? Anyway, long story short found out that he was struggling uh, with, I don't know if I'm allowed to say this in church, but he was struggling with porn. Had a challenge in that area. And uh, we, we come to realise that really all that was just a smokescreen, just to push us all away so he could deal with things, this thing back here. And I said, dude, I said, look, I understand. I said, you know what? We're here to help, man. You know, we're here to help. We, you know, there's programs and we can, there's people that we want to connect you to and there's psychologists that can help you and stuff like that because it's a process. Who knows that sometimes you've got to go through the process, right? There's times that I've come to the altar and God has delivered me on the spot. There's times that I've got to go through the process and deal with things. It just is what it is. Um, and so I said to him, look, this is what I think you should do. Uh, I said, I, there's a specific guy that you can connect with that can really help you through that. And I pointed to that specific person. I said, here's the guy, catch up with him. He'll mentor you through this. And also there's a psychologist that I know that will really help you, put you on a bit of a program, really help you. And get, it's because he was losing confidence. He lost all sorts of belief in himself and in the church and you know the deal. And so anyway, um, I put him on this bit of a program. Three months late, three months later, I said to his leader, how, how's he doing? Um, she says... Well, I, I think he's okay. I haven't really heard from him. I'm not even sure. Um, but I said, okay, well, let me call him up. So I called him up, got him into my office. I said, hey, dude, how are you going? We spoke three months ago, put you on a bit of a program. How are you going with it all? He says, well, the truth is, the guy, the mentor, the guy that you put me in touch with that was supposed to mentor my life, I rang him a couple of times, never really returned my call, so I just I sort of haven't caught up with him. I said, what about the psychologist person? Well, um, Truth is, like, I don't have a car and it's really fast, like on the other side of town, you know, so I haven't really gone to see her either. I said, dude, this is three months. Why don't you just pick up the phone and ring me and say, hey, Joe, you know, have you got someone a little bit closer? I don't have a car. I would have found someone a little bit closer. And the guy that's not returning your call, I would have sorted that out too and maybe given you to somebody else. I would have found out what the deal was with it, but we would have sorted it out. But why didn't you call me? Why didn't you call me, dude? He goes, oh, I guess I should have, hey. I said, do you want to sort yourself out? You've lost confidence. You've lost confidence in yourself. Do you really, really want to sort yourself out? I do. Well, then what's the problem? He goes, well, the problem is why isn't God helping me? Why doesn't God help me? I reckon God can help me. And you're supposed to be a pastor and you should be directing me back to God. So I'm sitting there thinking, okay. So dude, God is helping you. God brought you into my office, right? And you've exposed this. And so God, through me, apostles, prophets, pastors, teachers, evangelists, edifying of the body, building of the saints, he's speaking through me to help you. 
so you can get on with your life and get back to serve the God that you say that you believe in. Because if he doesn't, 10 years from now, he's going to say, God didn't help me, but God was helping him all along. We are God's hands extended. We're here to help people. That's what we do. That's our role. And so we've got talking about that. And I think he understands he's getting on with his life, but it's a concept. We've got to be able to talk to our friends. We've got to be able to hear God's voice through people in Jesus' name. The other thing too is when it comes to that, we've got to find the right people that we can speak to. And sometimes, I want to just say this, but you know, it's obviously just, this is just a general statement. Our husbands and our wives can be amazing, amazing, amazing support to us. Of course, I'm married of 25 years. I love my wife. She has helped me through stacks of stuff. But there's stuff and things in our lives that sometimes we can't go to our husbands and wives about. Now hear my heart. I'm not saying you don't, you, you can't. All I'm saying is that sometimes you've just got to find someone that can help you through some things. And the reality is, and if it can't, for specific things, and I'm saying find that right person, talk to the leaders, they can help you. There are three types of people that you can't help. The person that doesn't think he's got a problem, the person that thinks that you're the problem, that's why I'm saying sometimes we can't go to our husband and our wife, come on. Ouch. And the one who doesn't seek guidance or apply a principle to a problem, especially a biblical word. Amen? Is this okay? Okay. Third thing, recognize seasons of attack. There are different seasons of attack in our lives. Seasons come, seasons go. Sometimes we're doing really well. Sometimes we're not doing so well, but it's okay. Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12 and 13 says, For we are not wrestling with flesh and blood, but against the demonic, against powers, and against the world rulers of this present darkness, against spiritual forces of wickedness in heavenly places. We all know the word, that scripture. Therefore, put on God's complete armour that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on that evil day. After having done that, Bible says, stand. Everyone say, stand. When the army is advancing on a beachhead, who knows? It's probably not a good idea for that country to kick back. They've got to be ready. Why? Because there's a season of attack. And we need to learn to recognise when you're in a tough season. Some of us right now are in tough seasons. There's no time to pull back. It's time to understand that, to recognise that, to get with friends, to get with people, to get with leaders. Come on, to be praying stuff through. Don't kick back, push forward. Come on, we've got victory in our lives. When you're in a season of tiredness, when you've come out of negative moments, it's time to fight. It's time to put on the armour. And you know what? And especially when you're in a tough season, don't make any major decisions over your life. Just this week, um, I heard from a, I was a district leader in the state um, for about nine years and dealt with lots and lots of churches and local churches. And just this week, um, had some really good friends leading a church for six or seven years. Seven, they were in their seventh year. Pastor Paul and I were just there just recently uh, speaking at the church. And uh, just this week, I get this phone call and I heard that these guys had resigned their church. I'm thinking, how can that be? We, like, we just had 
lunch with them and dinner with them just like two or three months ago. Things were going well. Church is going great. Uh, God's moving in the place. They're doing really good. Hadn't heard anything negative. Everything's fantastic. And then two, three months later, they resigned their church. I couldn't understand that. So I get on the phone. I said, dude, how you going? Hey, Joe, how are you? What's going on? I heard you resigned your church. Yeah. Why? Man, my wife, we went over to Africa, done a bit of a mission street for two or three weeks, and then um, come back. She wasn't well. Uh, she was really hurting and, um, you know, just couldn't seem to get her act together. Anyway, we, we talked to some people and that was okay. Then I thought what I'll do is I'll take her away for two weeks on holidays. So we actually jumped on the plane, went, went over to Bali just to rest for, one, for two weeks. In that two-week period, all hell broke loose in the church. Stuff happened and there was things and people saying things and it was just unbelievable. So when they got back, they were tired, still a little bit tired, still a little bit down. And because that was going on, they resigned the church. Never! Everyone say never. Make a major decision when you're tired. Because the reality is we're not thinking clearly. And we'll say things and do things that are knee-jerk reactions and all the times... I've, I've made wrong choices and wrong decisions out of knee-jerk reactions when I just waited and hung in and prayed it through and got with Tony or got with Kath or got with somebody and said, hey, what do you think? Yeah. Say, no, you know what? You're just a little bit tired. Just rest up. Take a month's holiday. We'll look after things. When you come back, we'll, we'll make the call then. And the reality is sometimes we make decisions quick and we do knee-jerk reactions to things and we wonder why we're failing in areas. It's all because negative moments. And just as we close, as we finish just the fourth one here, understand, and this might be a revelation to some of us, but understand that God already knows our weaknesses, but you need to let him into that. But he already knows. There's no surprise. It's not, look, gosh, I missed that one. Like, he doesn't do that. He knows when you've got a weakness in your life and he wants to work with that. And the quicker we understand God knows, the quicker we can walk the journey with him. But this is the deal. We need his involvement. Let me just give you this scripture. In Revelation chapter 22, um, 13 verse to 14, it says this. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last. Blessed are those who cleanse their garments. Everyone say, who cleanse their garments. That they may have authority and the right to the tree of life and enter through the gates into the city. One of the principles we need to understand is that God has entrusted to us to cleanse our garments. It doesn't say that God will cleanse our garments. It says he's entrusted to us for us to cleanse our garments. Once that happens, we then get the authority in our lives to the tree of life, in other words, to the kingdom, to revelation in our lives as we continue to keep walking in authenticity together and we keep it real. And the reality is that I think at times we're waiting for God to come in and do the things that we believe that God can do and or should do. And if we just keep coming to church and keep going the journey, then hopefully God will come and cleanse us at some point in our lives. But that scripture there actually says that we need to cleanse our own garments. That we've got to get to the point where we decide that we will come and take off our garment that has been spoiled and give it to him and throw it to him and then he can start to do things in Jesus' name. Can I hear an amen across the place? Come on, let's all stand together this morning.
I love the church and I love what God is doing through the church and I love the representation of the church and we want to see the church continue to grow and continue to build and we want to continue to build strong, authentic Christians. But I think as Christians, we're going to get to a point in our lives and I, and I understand that we're not all that at this stage, uh, all of us are Christians this morning, but as Christians, if we are as Christians, and we've made the call to follow Jesus, God has entrusted to us to take the responsibility over our own lives with what is going on in our lives. And all I'm saying this morning is this, is that if there's something going on in you, and that voice is too powerful and too strong. Way beyond your capacity to have to deal with it. All I'm saying, church, is please find someone that can help you walk the journey of that. That's all I'm saying. Come on. I've lived years and years and years in the church where we keep hiding from people and think, you know what, I'll sort it out. God will deal with it over here. In fact, there was something in my life that I wanted to deal with back in Bible college. Do you know, 15 years later, 15 years later, it's a true story. I'm still, I still hadn't dealt with it. But I said, this is what I said. I said, you know what, God? I've started Bible college now. By the time I finish Bible college, four years later, I know that I'll have it dealt with. Do you know, it was just picking up more momentum. It wasn't getting dealt with at all. It just kept building momentum and more momentum and more momentum to the point where I just it couldn't, it wouldn't stop and I had to get with somebody. So I guess I'm preaching my message and I'm saying, don't keep walking away thinking God will sort it. God is saying to you, you get the garment, you throw the garment in, you give your garment to God, you take it off and you throw it because God wants to help you with it. Amen. This is the end of the message. Thank you for taking the time to listen, and God bless.